I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I think we're at the point in the season when these two episodes were incredibly unsatisfying in various ways, and. I think a large portion of why they're so unsatisfying is that all of the storylines are in this weird holding pattern where you can kind of see where they're going, but they're not quite there yet. And I don't know. It just kind of feels like these two episodes didn't have much to say. Yeah, they they both... I know, obviously, where all the me- the memories about this woman, Mimi, and such are going. I don't quite remember where Kate's plot line goes or where Marshall's plot line ends in this season, but... She gets murdered because Zach is super creepy. Yeah, we'll talk about Zach. Um, we'll talk about all of these things on this episode of Tuning In with Eric and Richard. Um, is this... Maybe this is one of those cases where if there had been two episodes fewer in the season, it would have been tighter they could have certainly placed these plot lines in other areas i don't know i mean we see for example we see the return of tara and charmaine's mother and the last time that we saw the parents that was a very big deal again sometimes the show is more episodic than others but that was certainly a very yeah uh structured episode structured around their visit here she's just kind of there and then she's not there you know she just leaves um and she seems a lot meaner yeah I don't recall her being quite that vicious in the first season. And it's almost like they forgot how to write her. Yeah. Now, part of it is once they start mentioning Mimi Shore, uh, and we'll learn why the mother is on the defensive, but she certainly is on the defensive here. But she's even, I mean, even before before that, that. she's making snide comments about Charmaine. Yeah. There's that one line where she says, you've always made decisions like an ugly girl, which is just like, ugh. So I will say this week and the second episode in particular, I like Charmaine. She's starting to become a person. Uh, it, she does a – she really deals with – a lo- in a way, she takes on the shit with her mother to help Tara. She's do- actually doing stuff for other people. She's yeah. starting to tell the truth in little bits. She's starting to be much more human at this point and for – for that, I appreciate these episodes because Charmaine has been a terrible character for a lot of this, but part of much of the show has been starting to deal with the fact that Charmaine is just as damaged as Tara is, except in wildly different ways. Yeah. And perhaps I think it is going to be easier for Charmaine to quote unquote fix herself right. than it will be for Tara. Tara is certainly much more uh has much more of a pathology behind her situation but uh yeah Charmaine is starting to redeem herself it's very much in the I mean when the mother is saying about Alice oh Tara's doing this again and Charmaine very explicitly says look you know that's not Tara um that's going that's a complete change from where she was at the beginning of the series believing that this is just something that Tara is making up. At this point, she fully understands her sister's condition and is sticking up for her. That's something we wouldn't have thought from Charmaine at the beginning. Yeah, that's certainly true. And I think that Charmaine is the strongest part of these two episodes for sure. Um, You know, and I want to talk about Charmaine some more, but I want to dispense with a lot of the... I mean, we talk a lot of... uh, we talk a lot in in United States of Terror podcasts, uh, kind of taking it on a character by character level. Yeah, because I don't really feel like the show has much of a thematic arc bringing these characters together, except for you know what Tara is going through. And in this season, that is very much 
gone. I yeah. mean, the first season was very much establishing this world, establishing these characters, establishing how they relate to each other and how they've all sort of had to learn to be independent and rely and, and rely on each other in weird ways yeah. because of Tara's condition. And now that we kind of have that established, the show is attempting to branch off into doing something a little different, specifically going into a little bit deeper about where Tara's condition is. I think Tara is very wrapped up in her own stuff in this season. And so that may be why Max, yeah. Marshall, Kate feel very perfunctory especially at this point in the season i don't really get a strong sense of what the show is doing with any of them yeah and it's it's also not as interesting as their storylines in the first season it's partially dealing with at this point the family is starting to fall apart a little bit i mean that the ending image in the family portrait where it just pans out to this picture of the family and their bodies are in and the faces haven't even been started. I mean, that is a very on-the-nose image at the same time. It's a very powerful one. Yeah, and I wasn't even going to mention it because it's so on-the-nose. No, I know, but it's a very stark, you know, this is somebody. Weird. Somebody picked up a book about metaphor. <laughs> I was like, oh, metaphor. I never heard of yeah, this before. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but at the same time, that that is where everybody is. Nobody in at this point really knows who they are. In a way, every single character is going on a finding themselves journey. Marshall and Kate are dealing with yeah. growing up in their own sexuality. I mean, they're, they all are dealing with their own sexualities in very different and unusual ways in this, which is fine and which is an interesting thing. But at the same time, nobody in this season is stable and therefore nobody – I don't know. You're watching four to six people just aimlessly fuck up and be no, not sure where they are. And after a while, it's a little like, all right, I want somebody to fucking get figure out what they want out of life. Yeah, and also, I mean, part of the part of I agree with all of that, but part of my issue, especially, is with the way the show is treating Marshall now because he basically gets one or two scenes an episode and. I don't really get a good sense of what the show is trying to do with him. Yeah. And I also don't really get a good sense that the show is understanding him as well as it did in the first season. Yes. And part of that, of course, is as you say, Marshall is kind of flying on his own and he's trying out different identities and he's trying to discover what it means to be gay for himself. And, you know, also the show broadening the the world of gay characters yeah. and having Lionel and having the neighbors and all this kind of stuff is is helpful, certainly, for doing that. But at the same time, uh, you know, in, in, for example, the family portrait, I think the only scene we get of Marshall um, and Lionel is when they're waiting for uh, the principal. Yeah. And, and there's that very bizarre scene where she hands him a box of condoms and says, I know you people like condoms. So, you know, and- it, it, what was the line that she had in the first season? Which like, this is a high school, not a something in San Francisco. Do you remember yeah, that? What yeah. Was the- I don't remember what the line but- was, but I do remember that. And now she says your little community. I she's mean, she a not, weird character because of the one. Well, she's homophobic. And she's homophobic, but she knows it's bad to be homophobic. And she knows she should be accepting these people. But she also feels that uh, they're. I, I, she, I, I, in, in the first season, she does says, say, you know, your children, you shouldn't be. She She's of the opinion that you can't decide that you're gay until you're 40 and you've been married already. Right. And But I guess the thing is, like, what is the point of that scene? Uh, yeah, and I thought that was kicking off a subplot where in like the next the- episode, this would be a fine event for, you know, it, it would be, number one, a nice uh, continuation of that plot from the beginning of the season with the carnations right. where they're, 
you know, taking a school event and, you know, trying to have a place for gay me- gay people in in this school. So this is another opportunity where it's an event. I would love to see them. I want to see what their tasteful poster to hand out the condoms. I want to see what Lionel says as he's handing them out. Like, I want to see how they're going to get in trouble for doing this. Like, I want to see all of this. And, and I guess that's really what it comes down to is that I don't remember. I don't think we do see any yeah, of that. And this is a when are we going to get to the fireworks factory kind of situation. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, the you know, in, in Family Portrait, that happens. And then in Open House, you expect them to follow up on that. And instead, we get this weird storyline where Lionel and Marshall go cruising. Yeah. And that to me was so tonally off. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, who goes cruising anymore? Well, part of that is, I mean, that's kind of the, I wish that the, what the, what the neighbor, and I don't even know his fucking name, would, it said would be a little more sharp to that. But I think he's sort of going, he has that line like, Listen, I sh- I marched on Washington. I shopped on the Castro, and yeah, I went cruising. So you wouldn't have to. And you know, it, 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 in other words, you don't. This has he never heard of Grinder? Like I don't get well, this. Yeah, and I, I mean, you, <laughs> so you and I came of gay age at a time when the internet was starting to. I mean. I could tell you stories about dates I had in high school on PlanetOut.com, like sites like that, and. You know, slowly going, then dates on Manhunt and now going to apps and stuff like that. Like, we, you know, we, we could certainly talk about how gay dating has evolved, but it is true that furtively cruising in a park, which while it still exists and it has its own place, that's not the only way to date. And it's almost a very particular fetish nowadays, I would say. Yeah, I would say it's more of a fetish than anything yeah. else. And I think that's what's so weird about it, just to, to, to come back to the show, is like, yeah, I can kind of see why the neighbor would be cruising. Yeah, you know, because he is, you know, probably I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but but in his late, probably mid to late forties. And he's you know, also he's, he's someone who, you know, came of age in the seventies. Cruising was definitely a thing in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, it's still a thing. I mean, I don't do it. I've never no. done it, but I don't look down on people that do it. But at the same time. I just fundamentally don't buy that Lionel would be this into cruising. Yeah, I mean, the neighbor, like, Lionel the is 16 is, years old in yeah. 2011. Like, what? The neighbor has, um, I mean, the neighbor has just broken up with his partner and all of that happened. So, yes, he is going to revert into what was I before, you know, what was I when I was 20? And so, yeah, cruising is going to be the natural thing. This is the neighbor going into a bit of decadence to take his mind off his own pain. Sure. And sir, I, I mean the fact that he ta- you know takes Marshall by the scruff of the neck and is like this is not the fucking place for you is I mean that's a realist that that makes sense the neighbor's reaction to all of this and in a way you're kind of having a similar reaction to what the neighbor is saying like why the fuck are you here like you right. don't have to do this this well, isn't seems, for you this isn't your only option like it's something that the show doesn't do very often i think which is that it has a point it wants to make about the differences between gay generations yeah. but it sets it up in a very unrealistic sort of way that doesn't make a yeah. whole lot of sense to me yeah like i think that it would have been different if marshall and lionel had just been in the park and maybe stumbled upon this i mean you know for example like i went to college in new york city and I moved there in 1998 when I was 17. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very like, I wasn't naive necessarily, but I was not worldly. And so I go to Central Park like a month or two after I moved there and I'm walking around the Rambles, which if any of you that are there <laughs> out there know is, is, I don't know if it's still a, a gay cruising ground, but it was a notorious gay cruising yeah. ground in the 80s and 90s. 
And I didn't know it, right? And this guy comes up, and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? And I got the hell out of there. And that was like my one and only ever interaction <laughs> with cruising. I did not enjoy it. It did not do anything for me. And I, you know, yeah. again, not that I really look down on people that do it, but for me, it's like, I no, don't. no, no. There's a, there's, but, again, it's a fetish. I can see the appeal, you know. And, but that was a 17 year old almost 20 yeah. years ago. Hmm. And to me, it's just, frankly, it's unbelievable that Lionel would do this. I, I, it, 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 it doesn't. It, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that that sixteen-year-old gay guys would do. Even if one, I mean, Lionel certainly the degree to which Lionel is genuinely worldly is very. I think intentionally ambiguous. Again, he's the kind of guy who is gonna do drugs in a bathroom at an art show, but at the same time they're Adderalls. Like right. it's it's that's I, I think a particular point that they're making. And so maybe part, maybe part of the point that it's you know, and this this comes after several minutes of teasing it out, so whether that's a valid point or not, maybe that is the show's point. Like Lionel thinks he's so worldly, but the only way he knows how to be gay is watching, you know, movies from the 70s, you know? It's like, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but, but that seems reaching, doesn't it? It seems like reaching, and I think it primarily seems like reaching because, frankly, Lionel doesn't really have a character. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know really what he's like or what he's interested in or what he does other than he's gay. Yeah, he makes a lot so, of... His personality seems very... Uh, in school, especially, he seems very exaggerated with his personality. He is wearing the super gay costume as a defense against people who would, uh, you know, you can't you can't make fun of Lionel for being gay because he is that gay that it's like, how the fuck can you hurt him? But, right. I mean, that's kind of the thing about it is like, I don't. I guess I don't like Lionel, and so that's part of it too. No, that Lionel right now is not a very great cap person to be around no. he's also 16 and he probably doesn't have much in the way of role models to help him out he's just again he's probably figured out his version of being gay from random porn that he found in the 70s he is a teenager living in overland park kansas well he's, they have the internet but i mean that that's the other thing yeah <laughs> you know i mean the, the the idea that people living in kansas don't know anything about the world is you know, I mean, no, that, that's, that, that hasn't been true for a long you're time. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that is fair. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think, I, it, and I guess that that's where we're taking this. I, don't I know. mean, I will, I will say to, to wrap this segment up is that, you know, I, I do appreciate the fact that the show is going for a gay character, which actually shows some sexuality, yes. actually oh, yeah. shows the actual struggles, but why this? I don't know. And I guess that, you know. One thing, I, I guess the side note that, because I, I know you said you didn't like the gay neighbor, and the one scene that I remembered. He's fine. The one scene that I really remembered was when he runs up to Marshall screaming about dangerous liaisons and talking about how Hanny did Adder Adderall in the bathroom and now he left. Yeah. And they didn't, number one, they didn't, he's trying to say, well, Hanny was really fucking into drugs in New York and so like, you know, you've you've given him you've given an addict that first bump, and he's remembered like, and he's going back to to the, to the gutter. I don't know if the rest of the show has sold that enough. I don't think so either. I think honestly, I think the show for for a half hour show, you know, I think in general it's trying to juggle too many things. It's that's very fair. If this had been an hour, maybe it would be, 
give give a little more room to breathe. That's the thing. This this is both too compact and too aimless. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I, I sound like I'm coming down on the show, but I, I, I just, like it. It's just, just these two episodes. Are yeah, fatiguing. these two episodes are a little fatiguing. Also, we know what season three is going to be, and I'm excited for that. And I, I I guess another example of that is the when Kate goes to Linda P. Fraser's house. Right. And doesn't it seem like? And she says, like, oh, you, I accessed you and your mother used me and we, you both used me. And, the, and she's talking about all of that. And she's talking about all of that. But isn't this supposed to be, like, the day after or two days after the art show? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what? I think it's one day after yeah, the art so show. Yeah, what, what so Linda P. Frazier is pissed off that Tara didn't call her the immediate next day. Like, it almost seems like that. that. Well, you know what I think it was is that um... – I kind of got a little bit of subtext there, which, yeah, which was... is that this may have happened to her before. Mm. And I think that, that what she was saying in that scene was not um, as clear as it could have been, I think, because yeah. maybe she was trying to spare Kate's feelings a little bit. But I really got a vibe of here's another white lady from the suburbs who's coming downtown to hang out with the black lady and do her art. And then she gets what she needs for me and my bohemian lifestyle and yeah. she leaves. And I was kind of getting that vibe from it. Yeah, it's a. I wish there had been a it's, little more with that. Like, well, it's almost. I mean, in a way, it's almost the inverse of what happened with Tiffany from the first season. Yeah, where you know, Tiffany was the one that was very sort of worldly, and you know, Kate, you know, Tara really liked her, and they were developing this friendship, and Tara felt like she was getting a lot out of it, and Tiffany rejected her, and now she's flipping it on its head, and she's got Linda P. Frazier, yeah. who she apparently likes, and they get something out of it, and Linda P. Frazier really likes her, and Tara's the one to reject her in a way. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Tara, Tara in general in this season is yeah. not very mentally healthy. Yeah. And is using people in a, in a large way, including her husband. So that's not surprising. But it is, I think, that is the one nice beat of the episode or these two episodes that I think work really well. I, I guess where my issue was that is the last that we saw Linda P. Frazier and Tara was they were – you know, Linda was hugging her with the fireworks, you know, and things were okay between them. That was last night. What what happened between the two of well, them? Well, Linda P. Frazier is also bipolar, so that's, that's true too. <laughs> I mean, the, the 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 one of the the show is interesting in in how it makes it clear that this you know these people who have very severe illnesses do have their dignity and do you know do have value, but at the same time makes it clear that having these people in your life is going to be very difficult. They're not yeah. going to be able to be the give the same support. And we're seeing very much Kate and Marshall are at fuck it mode with their mom in this. There's the one where Marshall one says, Oh, it's nothing, it's cats in the cradle and just kind of leaves. And but again, this is Tara comes home to see her teenage daughter wearing a costume and she just makes a half comment about it and doesn't really say anything else. Like it's very obvious that Kate, while maybe Tara can, can, you know, would not be able to figure out exactly what Kate's doing, it's very clear that Kate is in a very bad place where she needs a parent to kind of what the fuck is happening. Like, let's let's deal with this. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think that that well, let's talk about Kate and what's going on yeah. with her. I mean, she she's gone from being a uh, a collection agent to finding this Linda P. Fraser woman yeah. to doing some sort of cam weird girl thing. cam girl thing. And now she's 
dating a guy who's 25 and rich, and I can't figure out if he's supposed to be creepy or not. You know, they... One of the things that I... At the beginning of this episode, when she first meets Zach, uh, she's already become very cynical about this. She's not the... This is she no longer needs to have a scalding hot shower. She's the one saying, like, oh yeah, what do you want? Do you want me to sit in mashed potatoes? I can pop a balloon. And oh, I just want to talk. All right, that's a Sonic Youth box set. Great taste in music, by the way, Kate. Um I think Zach is a very sad and lonely person. There are I, I mean, if you, you know, read about the you know, cam girls and the people who actually, I used to work in transcription and the, we, I transcribed a documentary on cam girls at one point and it, a lot of the people who are their clients are guys who are, you know, businessmen or have very busy lives. I mean, in general, people who will. That's why people hire escorts. I mean, exactly. Not, you, you, know. you know, Zach is not the kind of person who probably has the right time in order to properly meet and date somebody and therefore, yeah, hiring an escort is a fine option for that you you're able to have the you know benefits of a relationship without having to actually you know Put without kind work. of the responsibilities yeah and well it's not even really about responsibilities well, i think it's about time i mean it, it's a little of both i mean if you're in a relationship with somebody and they have a problem it is kind of part of your responsibility to be dealing with that that's also time yeah i think i think it's time it's is really what it comes it's down the to. it's both of that but if, if this person is somebody you're paying in a way, that's a, a kind of boundaries the relationship. And I don't think Zach is wrong for wanting to have a relationship with somebody. I don't think he is. I, I don't. I honestly don't remember where the storyline goes. But I guess the scene when he finally goes in goes into her room and realizes that yeah i mean it is very easy with a few conversations and maybe hanging out with kate once to forget that she's 16 17 mm-hmm. she's very well spoken she's intelligent she's very self-possessed she does sometimes act a little older than she is and for somebody like zach who is incredibly depressed incredibly lonely incredibly unfulfilled she is somebody that yes he is going to be but i think when he again, she says, you know, oh, I don't, you know, I've had skeevy guys. Well, I don't think you're a skeevy guy, but, and I don't think Zach is really a skeevy guy because he does realize, like, oh shit, actually, the depths to which I am actually in is really bad. If if Kate were twenty twenty one, it would be a different story. But, I think he does have skeevy tendencies, though, and I certainly. think that, that the one thing that really jumps out for me is. Uh, in the second episode, Open House, when when he's picking her up to go somewhere. Yes. And he says, can I call you Catherine? Yeah. And, and that's strange to me because Kate has never shown any desire for anyone to call her Catherine. That is never anything that's come up. And it's just very bizarre. Well, let's also contrast that to didn't, uh, what was Jean's name, nickname for her? Kitty or something? Something like, like that. Yeah. I mean... This is the second guy who has given her a name that she doesn't want to go by and has obviously obviously has a vision for how he wants her to be that right. she very quickly realizes like she bristles at both immediately because while she doesn't have the clearest idea of who she is she certainly has some ideas of who she is not, and she's not Kitty. She's not Catherine. She's Kate. But, but that's so weird to me because it's like if someone was like, hey, Eric, nice to meet you. Can I call you Rick? I'd be like, no. 
Well, but it's you a- can. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Eric. But that's, I mean, which is where Kate goes with it. Yeah, but no, she doesn't. She just kind of like avoids the question entirely. Well, that's fair. But uh, oh yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go back to Charmaine then, because yeah. I think that that Charmaine's storyline is probably the most interesting one, and. It also dovetails nicely with what is going on with Tara, especially in the second mm. episode. Because Tara doesn't have that much to do in Family Portrait. She's really just kind of on the sidelines as everything yeah. falls apart around her. And yes, of course, Shoshana and Max have sex at the end of the episode. And Max has sex with Pammy at the beginning of that mm. episode. And that's a whole oh, big thing. Pammy. I do like that it's very sort of low stakes. Tara doesn't even really seem to be that interested in fighting about it. But it's just what married people do. You make them sleep on the couch. So she doesn't seem that into the whole fight idea. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying she's well, not hurt. No, but, but they're both, I think they're in too much pain. They don't have the energy to fight about this right now. Like, everything just really fucking hurts for both of them. And well, and also, frankly, I mean, it, it is true that Tara's alters have had sex oh. with other people. So uh, it's not like. It's not, and we, we, we find out uh, it's something like 30 people. Like, these are, it, it isn't just an incident or two. It's many incidents. Right. And. To uh, I, I I think yes, Tara is hurt by the fact that Max slept with Pammy, but at the same time, she realizes that maybe in some way she deserves to be hurt, like that that she, or or that she can't really she can't well, complain too much about being hurt because yeah. she's done so much damage that even with sleeping with Pammy, they're not quite even. Well, and I, th- I, I think that's right, but I also think that the other part of that, of course, is that this behavior seems extremely atypical for Max. Yes. And so he's getting a little bit of a pass there, where Max is really at loose ends. I mean, let's not forget that what Max has done this season so far, uh, uh, or buy a house, uh, remodel it, uh, punch a guy out, get arrested, sleep with Pammy, who's had a relationship with Buck, <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the ending of the second episode. I love that. But it, it it's a nice fake out, but... It's it's you know Max is not doing well, no. and I think Tara realizes that part of the reason why he's not doing well is that she has not been available. You know because yeah. you know Max has always been the one I think to a large degree that has been holding this family together, and he's not really interested in doing that anymore. Yeah, and so where does that leave Tara? That remains to be seen, but I think that she is realizing that, and she's realizing the depths to which she cannot be there for Max. Well, it's, and that's a problem. Yeah. It's too. I mean, it's the point in. Uh, fucked up family services where yeah yeah he tells her at the end like i've been there for every time this is the one time i needed you to be there and you just fucked off like you weren't there um and 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 it's true he can't you know he's completely correct on that like so if he's if he does something wrong about that well i don't want to say she's done more wrong in her life we you know the show I, i i i mean the show keeps the – it's a very ambiguous and fu- fucked up and difficult situation because on the one hand, yes, you know, Tara has done a lot of hurtful things to mm-hmm. Max. At the same time, they were manifestations of an illness. At the same right. time, it, it, it has Max – you know, and the show is a, is about to go into this theme of does Ma- – why does Max – why does Max stay? Is right. it healthy that he stays? Is he – is it good that he is supporting his wife through all of these, you know, no matter what, and never gets upset? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that's going to 
start to come up. Yeah, no, it definitely will. And I think that, you know, to, to speak to the ending of Open of open House, when, when it's that nice, nice fake out and you think the credits are going to start and then suddenly Buck is just punching <laughs> the shit out of Max. And, you know, it's it's played a little bit for laughs, but it's also serious. And, of course, that is the thing where Tara can't punish Max for what he did, but Max can, or, you know, but 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 Buck can punish Max yeah. for what he did. And that's what's going to happen here. And I, I think both Tara and Max and everybody have kind of da- downplayed or ignored Buck's feelings in this. I mean, Buck very clearly says he loved Pammy. And, again, based on their interaction, he took her and her kids to the amusement park, like— this guy cares about her yeah, very much and isn't able to have her because of the situation. And, you know, it is really fucked that, you know, while certainly Buck is going into a little bit of a regressive, that's my woman kind of a thing. At the same time, you know, Pammy is the worst, other than Charmaine, as she points out, Pammy is the worst person you could have slept with. If Buck won, if, Max wanted to do something to hurt Tara. Sure, hurt Tara, but poor fucking Pammy. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I feel bad for her. Yeah, she's just well. That I mean, think that Pammy is a really important character in this season, primarily for the fact that yeah, she is a, a character that exists solely for highlighting in a very real way exactly how. Tara's condition and, and, and Max's whatever his problems yeah. are, are affecting the people around them. Yeah. And, and she is the example of that. She is that personified. I mean, you could also argue that that the suicide of Hubbard as well is, and, is part of that. But, well, and also... But we with, didn't know who yeah. he was. We never saw the guy. I mean, we didn't know him at all. So his suicide was sort of a precipitating event. But Pammy is really the one that's getting dumped on here. And it's horrible. And she hasn't done anything wrong. That's what's really, uh, I think, the most sad about it. Yeah. Speaking of Don, Alice appears in morning gear and tearfully says Don was a beautiful man. We all loved him so. Which goes with, you know, the Alters had a friendship with Yeah. With, At with least Don. we can say that. Yes. Yeah. They definitely had a friendship with Don. I think that the, the pieces are coming together yeah. in as much as... Not necessarily with Tara's condition. Now, I do think that it's interesting that the connect. I don't know if you made this connection, but the 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 little model house that Tara made had a bicentennial flag. Yeah. And of course, the second episode starts out with a flashback of Charmaine and Tara's children during the bicentennial. Mimi is there at the parade. You know, so this character Mimi is, or this person Mimi is, obviously someone who something happened there. Yeah. And Alice. It became a person because of this she her did started somewhere and was it mimi was it not we don't know but mimi's very much like alice yes so and then of course you know to to your point um which i've completely forgotten uh that they had some kind of friend right they knew don and, and, and then to your point about you know the alters and don having a relationship um it, it, i think it's interesting because in a way uh, the altar's going away and Don committing suicide and the altar's coming back. It, it, I'm not saying Don was trying to help Tara. I think it's incidental or it's accidental. But in a way, I think that the entire events that Tara is trying to uncover now would not be worked on if it wasn't for Hubbard's suicide. Yeah. And I also think that maybe that's why the altars are reacting so strongly to it. I think they all liked Hubbard. Yeah. But as well, I think that they realize that if they get into, if Tara gets to the bottom of, of what is really 
the, the trauma that caused her DID and she's able to come to some sort of terms with that, you know, the alters may go away. They may no longer be necessary. Yeah. You know, she may be able to get integrated. I mean, that's already starting to happen a little bit with the co-conscious stuff that's going on in this season. So it, it's, you know, certainly it's maybe not a realistic interpretation of DID, but it, yeah. is, it is an interpretation which is internally consistent. Yeah. The sh- the, there, I, I think there is very much difference between real disassociative identity disorder and the United States of Tara's interpretation of it, uh, which it's it's a loose it's a loose adaptation of maybe how the condition actually operates, but you know as far as the show goes, yeah. And it's also not treated for laughs. I mean, I think no. that that's something that people generally thought was true, and it's it's not yeah. at all. It's deadly serious. Yeah, it's it's treated for played for laughs or for horror you know yeah. i have these i have a split personality and he's a killer that kind of a thing that's not uh, uh, again the alice put soap in kate's mouth buck punched uh max but both were actual emotions felt by a person who is exploding out of rage and not in a, I, yeah yeah not I mean, in a way that's just not in a psychotic way and I, yeah, I think so. And I think that that kind of in that same vein, you know, part of what's so so interesting about about open house is that both Alice and Buck are solving problems for themselves, not necessarily mm. for Tara. You know, that's one of the things we said about the first season that the yeah, altars yeah. come out to fix things that Tara can't fix. And Buck certainly wasn't fixing a problem for Tara by by beating up her husband. Alice certainly wasn't well, solving a problem for Tara by freaking her mother out at the same time she does uh if the implication is that alice is based on based loosely on this woman mimi uh she her appear she does appear in front of the mother and the mother instantly kind of recognizes who that is and that does cause her to blurt out the last name and all of that Um, yeah but i think that's a little incidental that is true um yeah but I think the other thing too that that you know I don't have a lot to say about the mother, but the one thing that I will say about her is that you know again I, I don't know why the show is kind of retconning her to be this horrible person. I mean, she certainly wasn't warm and fuzzy in the one episode in the first season she appeared in, but she was not this like walking, you know, monster kind of character. Yeah, and so to me, I think it's kind of in a way trying to speak to the fact that Charmaine and Tara both grew up in a emotionally abusive household yes. and whatever else happened with this character, Mimi, whatever else happened with Tara's uh, uh, sexual assault at, at school, which turned out not to really be sexual assault because it was tea or something. It was a, it was a difficult, it was situation. a difficult situation. Um, I mean, generally speaking, I don't know that it's, I mean, I don't know, going off on a tangent, but it's like if you know somebody that has dissociative identity disorder and you have sex with one of their uh, uh, identities, I think that's probably sexual assault for the person well, whose, whose body it actually is. But anyway. Trip Johansson, it's not implied that at the time he knows he knew, that. Yeah. yeah, when he was a teenager, certainly he didn't right. know. Right. Um, but but I think my real point there is, of course, that, that both Charmaine and Tara have had traumas that yeah. you know are just layers upon layers. And I think that's really why her mother comes back, because she's not going to be helpful. There's no reason why she even yeah. needs to show up. Well, it, it seems to be they again they want her to show up so that way they can ask her and they know that if they you know if Tara calls and asks over the phone she'll never they kind of feel like all right well the two of us can kind of 
gang up on her yeah. f- and force the answer out of her. And I don't, I like seeing the mother because at this point, we kind of really need – again, Open House goes very far towards humanizing Charmaine, which the past, most of it has been showing how awful she is. And in the episode, which very much does a lot to humanize her, we have the exact answer for why is Charmaine so nuts, frankly, and it's because she was always put held to this standard. You know, she – there is no way that Charmaine could have ever brought Neil home. When the mother sees him, she immediately – and, you know, you make decisions like an ugly girl and all of that. I mean – Charmaine can't and Charmaine can't stand up to her mother finally right, right finally when she calls her mother out on you know don't dodge the question you know we need to know this is probably the first time she's ever stood up to her and so yeah the, the, it, we understand kind of why Charmaine felt the need to have the wedding photos with Nick because maybe that's the only way she could actually make her mom proud of her yeah and I think she's now that she's realizing that she I, I love, by the way, her phone call where she's crying so much that Tara starts to be worried and then she hangs up. All right, she's coming next. You know, I, I, I love that. Uh, oh, no, I only act that way towards mom. I've never done that. To you. <laughs> but but in yeah. a very in a very real way, though, maybe this is the last point I'll make before we wrap this episode up, is that in a weird way, Charmaine's presence in that house which has been so disruptive to everyone else's lives yeah. that were that have grown up in that house and in that household. Uh, that's the opportunity for her to really put her head on straight. Yeah. For her to really figure things out. And it seems like Charmaine is figuring things out. Yeah. She's the only one who's act telling everybody to cut the bullshit in this. And it's Charmaine who has lived in bullshit for her whole life. Now yeah. that she's, uh, she's slowly starting to claw her way out of that. Now, we would be remiss if we did not mention the the best scene in the entire existence of United States of Terror, which is, of course, the scene where <laughs> Charmaine and Nick are eating dinner, and uh, Charmaine has gone to the Diet Coke website to find <laughs> recipes. See, I so I actually looked it up, and that recipe actually does exist, and it sounds disgusting. But the real recipe is using Coke, not well, Diet Coke. Well, I just found one recipe with Coke salad dressing, and I figured, all right, maybe there is a Diet Coke version, but... This, I mean, you know that Diablo Cody or whoever saw this recipe and was like, who the fuck would ever made that? Then started writing that show and just like, oh yeah, I have that clipping of that weird recipe. <laughs> like, this is a routine someone has meant to write for a little while, and I'm very glad that they found a, a wonderful home for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, we got to see Max in brief, so, you know, it wasn't all total loss. He doesn't do anything for me, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of United States of Terror we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, which supports tuning in and our other podcast, Truckabout. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tuning in Show is our name in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way to help the show and to f- help new people find it as well. All right. Well, next week, we are wrapping up the second season of United States of Terra. Okay. We're going to be talking about the episodes to have and to hold and from this day forward. Okay. This is Mac. Why do you...